You're listening to the SLT Podcast, a resource to encourage and equip Liberty Christian School families for a Christ-centered life. Well, welcome into the SLT Podcast. We are excited to talk about a really important topic um, of reconciliation today, and we thought of no better way than to bring in a man whose life just really reflects a lifestyle and a testimony of reconciliation. And we recently got to meet Serge Gassour, who is from Rwanda. He is the president and founder of Rwanda Children. And he came and spoke to our upper school students at chapel and got to meet with some of our lower school students and do some question and answer opportunities. So let's just get straight into it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm Sam. I'm Courtney. I'm Alex. I'm Gassour Serge. (laughs) And so you may be asking yourself, who is that? And so we have with us a very special guest, uh, Serge Kassor, and he's going to be telling us a little bit about who he is and what God's done in his life. But before we get into all that, Serge, uh, tell us, what do you do for fun? Uh, Thank you so much uh, for fun. Uh, I run. Um, I enjoy running. So when I want to have fun, I go for 10 miles. Um, (laughs) And that that allows me to think, pray, and um, just... Uh, relax. Uh-huh. So just let me get this straight. You run for enjoyment? Exactly. <laughs> I. This is very foreign to me. This is foreign to me as well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> well, I have mad respect for runners. Yeah, Anna, that's, that's incredible. Um, I can't remember the last time that I ran that wasn't at recess playing tag. So, What do you well, do for fun? So what do I do for fun? Yeah. I don't run. I do the opposite of you. <laughs> Take naps. Yeah. Um, relax. But that is that is so awesome. And I know you um, had the chance to race against some of our upper school students in cross country. How did that go? I did. They uh, they traumatized me. <laughs> they, uh, I am an old guy and I'm not competing anymore professionally. How so old are you? I'm 33 years old. And you think you're an old guy? I feel like since um, I used to compete professionally and mm. uh, I stopped, I feel like I've lost my shape. But I was able to keep up with two of your runners, the the twins. The twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Lewis boys. Yeah. And, Shout out to y'all. And uh, <laughs> on the day I ran with them, um, I think they they wanted to be so nice and kind. <laughs> you think and, they were taking it easy on you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I need an inhaler just to watch cross country. Yeah. <laughs> And for our listeners, will you tell them, when did you get into Texas in comparison to when they went on this run with you? I um, arrived around um, 10 o'clock p.m. And um, I had the walkout around 6.30 uh, with your team. Wow. So we didn't let you just deal with no, jet lag or anything. Just literally hit the right ground in. running. Actually, that running helped me recover from jet lag uh, quickly. So Good. Uh, wow. So I'm so thankful that this opportunity came along on my trip. Oh, we were so thankful. Yeah. Well, we, I know we are all incredibly impressed by Surge and the running is just the tip of the iceberg. And so we're going to get into some of the things that have um, stricken us and really encouraged us about your testimony and who you are. So tell us, um, what was kind of going on in Rwanda? Tell us kind of about your personal story and how Rwanda's kind of recent history ties in with that. I uh, am from Rwanda, uh, born and raised in Rwanda. Rwanda is a country uh, located on the eastern side uh, of Africa. It's south central 
East uh, in Africa. Rwanda had three tribes. Uh, one of them was uh, Hutu, the other one was Twa, the other one uh, was Tutsi. And uh, during uh, colonial time, uh, there was uh, this uh, division ideology of separating people. And the, those divisions um, or those tribes ha uh, kept uh, hunting um, or affecting uh, daily life of Rwandans. The kingdom was also falling apart. So in '62 we got um, president, and those uh, tribes kept uh, being identity of Rwanda as a whole. And of, and of course those divisions came some ways of understanding how to identify each tribe. Mm. Uh, for example, they would say Hutus are people who are short. And they will say Tutsis are tall, and Twa will be people who lived in a bush, like pygmies. So that's how they basically identified each one. But sure. all those were things made up by colonies yeah. to separate people uh, in Rwanda. Wow. And then uh, in 1973, uh, even before that, um, presidents who were leading Rwanda at that time were uh, considered to be Hutu. Mm. Um, and they tried so hard to dismiss Tutsi. And um, they did that with a lot of um, killing, uh, with a lot of um, segregation and racism and things like that. After that, um, it, it became clear that the majority of leaders in our country were Hutus. And uh, those divisions, the the tension between tribes, you know, kept growing. And for the people listening, did you belong to one of these three tribes? I belonged to Tutsi. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and then um, in 1990, the Hutu tribe, which was the majority and the country's administration from the teacher level all the way to the minister was Hutus. So they decided to start putting a plan together to exterminate all the Tutsis. And uh, they started a propaganda, a lot of meetings, um, and until um, 1993, 94, around there. And then they started killing people, uh, mm -hmm. killing Tutsis. They started killing people in different villages, different cities. Uh, and then it became clear that in 1994 that they wanted to just do it in a big way. That's when um, I remember after the president's plan was shut down, um, his tribe, which was Hutu, and they wanted to use that as an excuse to start the killing. So there was essentially genocides going on. Yes. And these were, these were based on identity politics? This was um, the Hutu majority tribe wanting to kill Tutsi with intention of wiping out uh, all the Tutsi. So it could be a little bit of all of the things, uh, politics, uh, divisions that were brought by colonies, social status, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, genocide started uh, when I was uh, living with my grandmother. And um, the killing lasted for about 100 days. And, and during that 100 days, uh, over 1 million people were killed in a country with 4 million 
which means that every village, every little village was having a genocide. Mm. Um, so it's not like one area people were being killed and another area they were having fun. And, yeah. you know, so every part of Rwanda was affected. So tell us a little bit more about where you were and how you had to deal with this. I was living with my grandmother um, and I grew up attending church with her. So when the killing started, we felt like uh, church was going to be a safe haven for us. And um, because in the past, according to the history, um, people would go to seek for refuge in a church and they would be saved. So we had the same understanding and went to church hoping that it would be a safe haven. Nobody can come inside the church and kill us. But that was not true because um, we were attacked inside that church. And that's where... My grandmother was killed. Uh, she was hit by a grenade uh, right in front of me. And so I took off um, and running. The next chapter was about struggling to try to survive. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of disease uh, going on in the community. People catch a disease in the morning and die in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, every day we'll probably bury some of our friends uh, by God's grace, I was able to find my way out. Mm-hmm. Um, life came back in Rwanda after genocide ha- has been stopped. And um, I attended school. You mentioned um, God's grace carried you through that. During those times, the hardships and just the journey and wandering and not knowing what was next, what were you thinking and feeling about God during that time? Um, after the kidding inside the church, and knowing that some of the people, some of the fathers and Catholic nuns that I knew were part of the killers, I had lost my uh, hope in the church and trust in the church. So that time I was not a, a believer. I, I couldn't believe that if God was uh, tangible, why would that happen? Why would my grandmother be killed inside the church? Why? some of the priests will be part of the killing or the killers. So that time my faith had just gone somewhere. Um, yeah. It was, and, and I'll tell you, I, I, think my, I think my body was empty. Um, mm. Spiritually, even um, um, my brain, I think, was gone because you knew if you survived this second, you would die in the next second. Yeah. There were times that we were running through uh, a rain of bullets. And so it's kind of hard to turn your heart or your mind back to God and and even think because you don't even know if you're going to make it to the next moment. So when and how did you get back to God? When did your faith in the Lord become rekindled? Um, My faith came back um, when I was uh, attending the Abilene Christian University in Abilene. my roommate did really didn't um, say, "Hey, come and let's talk about God or Jesus." He was just being Jesus uh, to me every day, very nice, um, kind. And on Sunday, he would say, "Oh, can you come to church?" And I would refuse. And he did it several times. And then, because through how he lived faithfully every day. Um, one day I decided to go with him to back to church. It's beautiful. And so when I went to church, I saw a different 
um, church, I realized that people could be evil and people could be good too. So, and since that's when I started searching the purpose of 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 the church. Started reading the Bible more again. Started being interested and in asking him questions, and my faith came back strong. He baptized me. Um, it, it happened that after I got baptized, I went back home. And uh, just walking through that community that was hurt by its own people, I felt like I needed to do differently. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like my roommate acted differently than um, the image of a Christian that I knew before. So um, that's uh, when my uh, faith came back. It, it was a little bit late. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad uh, my faith came back. Now I can ma- be part of people who are hoping for heaven. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And Serge, I think too what you're talking about is on a smaller scale, what so many of our families even at Liberty wrestle with or have wrestled with in their story is questioning, or even our students questioning, is God still good when these really difficult, horrible things happen. And you got to see that firsthand and live through that for years. And what's so beautiful about your story is the reconciliation that um, took place between you and the Lord and how um, your heart was hardened and questioned and how God used another believer to bring you back to a place of seeing God's goodness and grace in the midst of such tragedy in a broken world. And I, one of the things I love about your story is just your heart for reconciliation and how you have brought that not just within the U.S. when you came here, but you wanted it for your country as well. So will you share a little bit about since the genocide, what um, Rwanda has looked like in terms of reconciliation? Yes, uh, Rwanda now uh, wants to be one nation, one person under God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been a long journey. Uh, because um, it's hard to reunite people who one day hunted each other mm-hmm. and killed uh, each other. But we we are so thankful that we we've had good leaders in Rwanda until now that are putting all Rwandans together. They are creating uh, all possible platforms for people to get back together. They they are they have um, worked so hard partnering with different people, churches, organizations to call people for reconciliation. And so now you are finding people who lost their loved ones um, getting together with the people who killed their loved ones and they mm-hmm. forgive each other and they ask forgiveness to each other. And now they are living in the same place. In our ministry, we've done the same thing. Um, this... Uh, program we've studied among several programs we have in our ministry where you buy one goat uh, mm-hmm. for $30 and you give it to a person who lives in a community and you tell them, hey, this when this goat gets three or two to three babies next six months, mm-hmm. you need to give one goat to your neighbor. <laughs> and, uh, and that goat they are giving to their neighbor is creating a platform for them to talk again because their neighbor could be the person they hurt during the genocide or that could be a person who killed their family and when you give them a goat 
it's a starting point for talking. Right. So there are a lot of things that are pinching in to create uh, that sense of the unit mm -hmm. and the reconciliation. So we heard a story of um, a man that came one day to your ministry with his little son and needed some help and was from um, a different tribe. So could you fill in the details of that story for us? So this uh, man uh, used to be my neighbor. And so he would be the person I spent time with um, when we were kids. Mm -hmm. uh, whether we were wandering on the street or just being kids. And so uh, his family participated in killing my family. Uh, mm -hmm. And so um, right after the genocide, I met him in the capital city of Kigali and um, he conducted that he didn't know me. And you can see how that is very strange. Somebody you grow up with and the person acts like he doesn't know you. So he went his way. I went on my way for about 15 years or 20. And when we met, um, he wanted help for his kids. He was, um, he didn't act like the way he acted 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. He came, he said, Serge, do you remember me? I said, I remember you. And he said, I need help. My kids need help. And because we knew he was struggling and the people we are helping now are people who are struggling on a daily basis. So we've picked uh, his kids and, and we are helping uh, his kids wow. um, along others. Just layers on layers of a story of reconciliation mm -hmm. and God's grace moving and Praise healing God. relationships. Praise God. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your ministry a little bit ago. So could you tell us a little bit about what it's called, how it started? So um, uh, the way the ministry started, after my faith came back, I was searching a purpose uh, of me being on earth and me being saved among so many people who were killed. Mm. I, uh, I went back to Rwanda as a student. And uh, as I walk in my community, there is this sense of darkness. And I saw a light um, in a little house and that was the only light in, in the whole community. And I could recall when the community was vibrant before the genocide mm -hmm. and with so much love. And, and so I wondered who's going to be responsible to bring the light back. That was like, you know, I think I need to be part of the solution for this community to heal and, uh, and get the light back. So I came back in America as a student. I couldn't sleep. Uh, and kept wondering what I could do. And of course, I was a student, but I said, I need to start right now. So I started providing um, from a minimum wage I was making, and as a student working 20 hours a week, I um, started gathering some of my uh, income, and every month I would have like um, some money put aside. And per year, I would buy health insurance for about 130 six kids mm -hmm. uh, just on my own and people over there will send me messages saying thank you if it had not been your insurance you know my kid would have died and that just showed me that you know God was using me to mm -hmm. do something small uh, 2009 2010 I was buying goats and give them to the community uh, I got married in 2010 um, and uh, I happened to share my passion with my wife and my wife and I, we were starting to help about 1,000 people get wow. health insurance. Then it, uh, we felt like we needed to have like a children's home. Mm -hmm. 
So we started our first children's home, and basically what we were trying to do is bring the, f- the hope, hope among those people and the light. Yeah. And uh, in 2013, uh, we put about seven children. Uh, the number kept going up until 12 children. And at that point, we, we asked ourselves, we, how come do we want to limit God? You know, God wants to work through us, but we just want to stay at 12 kids. Why? So we decided to share that with friends, and we say we, we want to um, see if God wants this to grow. And we put a plan together, um, and from there, we moved from having an orphanage to having a childhood uh, program, which is where kids would come and stay during the day and go home in the evening. So, uh, but we kept those 12 children. So we moved uh, a little bit over and did uh, a campus uh, that would serve children who are at risk mm-hmm. or who are uh, struggling. Mm-hmm. And uh, these children will be kids who we noticed that if they are not provided with support, yeah. they, they, could, they could die or they can stop school or they can be abused. And so... Two years ago, we realized that we didn't want those kids to go to other schools because we felt like we've given them all the tools they needed to, to grow healthy and strong. Um, and so we decided to start a school where they can grow. So I'm kind of giving you the heart of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Right. But we realized that um, we were doing a good job for children, but we were missing a big part of the ministry, which was parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we realize that you can do anything you want to the children, and that would be great. But if they are going back home to a broken home, then at the end of the day, there is nothing really accomplished. So we decided to start the Family Transformation Program, which targets uh, parents. And that is counseling. If these parents are struggling with poverty, uh, then they have to be some type of microfinance, uh, entrepreneurship, um, and even self-esteem uplifting mm-hmm. uh, among them. So, uh, and then um, noticing that some children were getting sick, and it was a little bit far uh, for us to take them to the clinic. Um, and knowing that my wife was a nurse capable of treating kids, we started a clinic uh, mm-hmm. on the campus where all those children that are um, either going through abuse or they get sick from intestinal parasites, um, malaria, where they can be treated without us having to uh, do a long-distance travel. One of the things, I think there are so many things we can learn from you, Serge, and your faithfulness to the Lord, but I love how you said that you didn't want to limit God and what his plans were. And I think that's something so obvious about your ministry, you and your wife, that just everything is you put before the Lord and you give it to him. And um, if he wants it to be accomplished, he makes it happen. And so you mentioned um, some of the different things you all have. You have adult literacy classes, you have financial resources to train families, and you partner with the parents and pour into the students in the primary school. And you were telling us about having even a building a baptismal pool to bring the community together. And so there are all these different beautiful projects. And um, we had the 
joy of getting to use some of our Jeans Day money, which all of our families listening knows what Jeans Day is. And um, we got to partner with you guys and give um, 100 individuals um, health insurance for a year and then also purchase 100 goats to be given to the families, which is the goat program that you had mentioned. And I'd love for you to share for any of our families that are listening and want to get involved and want to partner with or even learn more about all the different programs that you have at Rwanda Children. Will you tell them how they can get in touch or find out more information about Rwanda Children? Yes, they can get uh, in touch with Rwanda Children by visiting our website, which is rwandachildren.org. Rwanda is spelled R-W-A-N-D-A, children.org. And they can also uh, email us at info at rwandachildren.org. And... um, or they can email me at serge, S-E-R-G-E, at rwandachildren.org. And um, we can give them all kinds of information and organizes uh, trips of people who wants to come over and pray for us, support us, and um, serve alongside us. Those trips take place in June, early June and early November. So that's another opportunity. Um, if somebody wants to come and see what we are doing and, and, and spend the time with us. That's awesome. And there are also opportunities to sponsor a child, which gives medical insurance and their uniforms and tuition and materials and just all of the things. So you take care of the kids well. Yes. Awesome. The only way we've been able to do this uh, for these children is that every child is linked to a sponsor. And when you want to sponsor a child, you can go to our website um, and you see a lot of children that need sponsors. And that's another way to support our ministry. Uh, It's $50 per month. um, And then you get an email from us uh, every month about how your kid is doing. um, And your sponsorship allows them to have medical insurance. It allows them to have um, school tuition uniforms and it pays uh, their teachers and more than anything they are growing they are getting to grow in a a christian environment um, where they're growing uh, strong and and Mm -hmm. faithful so serge if our families wanted to know a little bit more about your story and the specifics and the incredible amazing things that god has done in your life how might they get to find that out there is a, a a book i wrote uh, it's called My Day to Die with a subtitle, uh, Running for My Life, which is available online. Uh, you can either buy it through Amazon uh, or you can buy it through archway.com, which is the publishing uh, company. Well, Serge, thank you so much for your time. I know you've blessed us incredibly. We're so mm-hmm. thankful for the ministry that you're doing, not only here coming and, and taking the time out to minister to our students and our families, but also the incredible things you're doing for the people of Rwanda and as Courtney mentioned, you're just probably the most humble person I think any of us have ever met. Yeah. Um, it's inspiring to us in so many ways, your heart for reconciliation, um, not just in the story of your nation and your identity, but in your heart for the Lord and for the families that you get to touch. So we love the things that God is doing at Liberty Christian School. We just feel it's so important to show them the things that God is doing outside of Argyle, Texas sometimes. And so thank you for giving us that opportunity to share that. Thank you. It has been a 
great gift to spend time with you and uh, take, take, uh, spend time with the Ribery Christian School as a whole, staff, uh, students. Everybody has been uh, so nice to me. And when I go back to Rwanda, I will make sure I um, tell them how you treated me and um, we would look forward to pay forward for what you are doing for us. Thank you. Well, the name of the ministry, again, is Rwanda Children, and you can find out more information and find out how you can give and partner with Surge and what God is doing in Rwanda at rwandachildren.org. We're so thankful that he was here with us today, and we can't wait to see what God is going to be doing next through Surge and through his ministry. Thanks for joining us on the SLT Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at spirituallife at mylcs.com.